welcome everybody to the Magic Beans Podcast. We are back again for episode number 173. I am your host, after a very big absence, Shorty, in case you've completely forgotten what my voice sounds like and who I am, and uh, I'm joined by the uh, the two guys that have been holding down the fort while I've been away in uh, Chewy. How's it going, mate? Uh, new podcast, Who Dis? <laughs> uh, <laughs> welcome back, mate. I, I am well. I, I hope you are also. Yes, I am. And we also have Cracker. How's it going, mate? I'm good, man. Welcome back. Thank you. You guys have been doing a, a tip-top job in my absence, which is Thank you. really good to hear while I was cruising around in the literally the middle of nowhere <laughs> with, with no internet for quite a while, <laughs> which is a, a good change, actually. It's a, I highly recommend getting oh, out there so and uh, yeah, just forgetting that the internet even exists because your phone is just a brick sitting in your pocket. So <laughs> it's... Uh, it's, it's a nice. torch. It's sometimes it's a yeah, torch it's a and torch. a camera. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and if you've got music downloaded to it, I guess it's like a expensive MP3 player. Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I, I'll echo that, Shorty. There is nothing quite like 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 day two, day three of having no reception when you you're coming used to it and you forget because you're so used to having your phone in your right pocket and you always check that it's there before you go and do anything and then you're like. I don't even know where my phone is. Don't care. Yeah, yeah it's pretty good. It's pretty good. <laughs> After a couple of days, you realise, ah, oh, there's this other person that keeps following me around. Oh, that's right. That's my wife. That's a person I could actually talk to. <laughs> you, you have a face-to-face conversation with it. Like, yeah. literally, we're getting ready for the thing. I'm just, like, spamming memes to my wife who's, like, upstairs from me. Like, yeah, it's a... Uh, we spend Real a lot of time together. interactions. But, yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's the difference between playing arena or... You know, actually going to a pre-release and uh, sitting down across the table from an actual person, isn't it? Makes a big difference. It but is. Yeah, it I can, is. can highly recommend a uh, a trip through a central Australia or anywhere in Australia. Really, it's it's kind of you realise just how big our country actually is. Uh, you know, like we we only got up to Alice Springs, and then you look at where Alice Springs is on a map, and you go, "Oh wow, I'm like I'm so far north of Brisbane, <laughs> which seems so far north of where we live." And uh, yeah, it's just a totally different world out there. So yeah, highly recommend. I know Chewy, you've been out there a bunch of times and done quite yeah, a few trips. Yeah, absolutely. I love, and, uh, I love just remote area it. traveling. It's yeah, I, yeah. I've been to Central. I've been to Uluru three times. So there you go. Yeah, right. Uh, and uh, a fourth is yeah in the works. So nice. Uh, and I'll, I'd go again tomorrow. Uh, it's uh, it's amazing. I love once yeah. The vastness is its own draw card, right? Like just. Yeah. Like, oh, there's nothing here, and that's awesome. <laughs> there's there's right? literally like, nothing. <laughs> so yeah. for, for the non-Australians, Uluru is called Ayers Rock, and it's that big <laughs> rock that you see in all the photos that just picks Australia in the it desert. It is literally <laughs> one a, big rock, just a which big is really weird. Oh, there's, a, there's Carter Judah that's, you know. Yeah, a, that's, that's 50 not, k's not so away. Far away. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> close by the I mean, outback standards. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You can yeah, see exactly. it from miles away because there's, there's nothing around it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And you did the Udnadatta track as well, right? Yes, I did. Yes, yeah, good. So good yeah, it's uh, that that's Just that a, is a good barren fun. wasteland. And, yeah, of salt flats. <laughs> it's so cool. Best sunsets you'll ever see in your life. Yeah, it's it's really weird. Like uh, I imagine the majority of our listeners that are from Australia live, you know, along the coastline somewhere, or you're in, you know, central Victoria, like. Azzy G and, and Sarah Soldiers who are in Bendigo, that sort of thing, where there's just there's just stuff everywhere. Like everywhere you go, there's trees and there's 
you know, buildings and towns and just lots of, and you've got in phone reception almost everywhere. There's there's things everywhere. And then, yeah, it's not till you get up into the middle of South Australia that you're like, there is literally nothing for the next 300 Ks. <laughs> there's just some small shrubs <laughs> on the side of the road and that's it. We crossed the Tanami Desert. So we went from Alice Springs to Halls Creek, which is the, like, Wolf Creek Crater. Yep. And we drove for 16 hours over two days, and I saw four other vehicles, three of which were road trains from <laughs> yep. the mine out there. I saw more wedge-tailed eagles than humans in two days. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and probably so a million lizards. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Some of them had legs, some of them did not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, we are miles and miles off track, which was bound to happen. This is an Outback Touring podcast now. Yeah, yep. yeah. Well, we're doing, yeah, doing our bit for Australia to yeah, bump those tourism numbers. Come and, yeah. come and visit us. Come on to Broom. Come over. Come visit. Come and Absolutely. Uh, play some magic with us, and then we'll uh, send you off in the middle of nowhere and <laughs> give you well, some do bad you know, advice. Like, speaking of, like, al- almost the out- like, gateway to the Outback is the, uh, the little speck on the map where... Josh and Pat's is located. So one of the benefits of being centrally located is he's kind of in the middle of everywhere, middle of nowhere, but the middle of everywhere. So your shipping gets to him really quickly. So Cracker, mm. who am I talking about? What am I talking about? Who is who is Pat? Who is Pat? Mate, if you don't know who Pat is. He's an enigma. I, I don't know if you've played Magic in Australia. Uh, <laughs> Josh and Pat's MTG Bazaar, Facebook auction page, and just all around good people. They have nightly auctions for magic cards and win it now lots. And they have got heaps of product and expect bulk Wild Devil Drain coming out very soon. As soon as Pat can list that stuff, he will be. And there's usually the um, acclaim lots, which are awesome. So he, he will put up, uh, you know, say I've got 50 copies of Ashiok. And you just say, I want four. There'll be a price. You send in the money. He sends you the cards. It's a good deal gets there fast and then you tell him that you want the sweet sweet tokens that you can claim as well as part of your winnings so go check out jpmtg bazaar and when you win an auction or buy some cards let him know that they've been sent you very good all right well uh yeah it turns out i did remember how to you know do the intro for the, the episode and yep cracker well you've remembered how to do the ad read mm-hmm. despite chewy having to do it for the last four weeks or whatever so maybe we can still podcast we've Semi-professional? <laughs> I mean, the sheer volume means that we've stumbled our way into something that seems to work, right? Yeah. yeah. So, Shorty, you've, yes. you've, missed, you've missed a bunch, but um, I, I guess, like, the most pressing thing. Actually, a couple of things. How did you find the all the releases coming up for 2024? Were there any of those sets that particularly grabbed your attention? Like, there was more info about um, Doctor Who. Yes, very excited about the Doctor Who stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing some more previews for that. Um, yeah, I'm definitely snapping up those Commander sets on uh, on pre-order. I don't think they actually release till October sometime, so yep. definitely getting in on that. Uh, uh, so yeah. just letting you know, Shorty, that Cracker and I are putting in our annual leave request from the podcast and we're seconding J-Mud yes, to come on that. the show to, yep. with you to talk about the... Doctor Who stuff because, as I said on the previous cast, I like Doctor Who, but I'm a, I'm a I'm a casual Whovian. I think mm-hmm. that's what you call yourself. That is correct. Yes. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> I, I don't know the deets and, and the depth of it like uh, you and uh, Mister Mud do. So yep. I'm yep. looking forward to be e- being educated by you guys. Sounds good. Uh, yeah, and I did hear all the millions of other 
set announcements that we had all the way up to like 2026. Like, goodness me. So, yeah, some cool stuff coming out, sounds like. Uh, Pretty excited to, or excited in one sense, but also a little bit apprehensive about going back to Lawwin. The last time we were at Lawwin was when I rage quit (laughs) from Magic. (laughs) Was that because of the fairy stick? Yeah. yeah. What have we got coming up right now? Play fairies or lose and uh yeah it just put me off so i've got the polar opposite experience that was that was when i had my most successful year mm. as, as a magic player so it's uh i'm excited to yeah, go back to law and I'm, I'm pretty excited a, about it it should be cool. Kithkin, it was a cool surely, set. surely you've got affinity for kithkin there yeah yeah small. there was a lot of cool <laughs> stuff in the set and it was yeah it was really fun but what really ruined it for me was I was playing Stuffy Doll at the time, Chewy, as you would remember. Oh, I tried yes. for ages and ages to try and win with Stuffy Doll, all these different brews. Stuffy Doll. Oh. Yep. And to the point where, I, you know, we would go to Card Heaven on a Friday night, play F&M, and I couldn't, you know, I couldn't win. I could barely win a game with it. And then I think it was Alex, the guy who was running it at the time, mm-hmm. said, if you can win, if you can take down an F&M, normally you'd get 50 bucks as the, the prize, 50 bucks cash. He said, if you can win, I'll give you 100 bucks cash. And I won. I took it. I took it down one week, wow. and I could not be happier. And then out comes Lawwin, and out comes minus one, minus one counters, and it was, it just ruined my stuffy dolls. Like, what are Good. you going to do with an O one indestructible? Oh, it's just dead to a one mana removal. Cool. Thanks. That you, you know, paid. Uh, you paid five mana for your creature. Yeah, for your five zero mana for one. my creature. Yeah. Yep. <sighs> Good news, boys. Lawwin yep. was only sixteen years ago. <laughs> I'm not scarred at all. <laughs> Scars of Lawwin. <laughs> Different set. That's going to be the name of the set. <laughs> I mean, I really, I really shouldn't laugh too hard. That's about the same age as my daughter. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, well, not we quite. did we did figure out a few weeks ago that your dad is Gadok Teague. Yes, so, we did. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, I'm. It's I. It was almost too much information for me to take in. Yeah. Like there were yeah, so was many sets, and it was just like, okay, I just. Come at me one at a time, please. Like, yeah, it's too much. Too much wizards. Like, calm the farm. Like, they are they going for two billion dollars in revenue for this year? Because the one billion dollars from last financial year wasn't enough. <laughs> I'm uh, looking forward to Cowboy Oko. Uh, oh see what yeah, there. yeah, be showdown at the Oko Corral. It's going to be great. Mm, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Should be good. I am. Um- I think I mentioned Chewy last time that um, one of the guys I work with is like a huge Fallout fan. So oh. I told him that they like announced a set and he messaged me during the week. He's like, looking forward to these Fallout magic cards. And I was like, it's like a year away still, man. He's cursing. <laughs> He's like, yeah. Why are they telling us this far in advance? I'm like, I'm sorry, dude. I'll t- I said, when they come out, I'll let you know because he wants to buy some. He just wants to buy packs to have them. So like, it yeah. seems like a weird fit to me, but uh, yeah, that, that was it. It shows that what Wizards is doing is working. Like, that's the whole purpose. It's pretty yeah. these random things that are meant to attract other people into the game and they, yeah, they buy one little secret lair and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, well, now I've got these cards. I might as well buy some other stuff. And then you're hooked. You're on got that em. cardboard crack and it's all downhill from there. That's it. Yep. All right. Well, uh, yeah, we've got a couple of things to talk about tonight. We will actually get into a legitimate podcast. And uh, with Eldraine about to be released, we have the pre-release on this weekend, so you know the usual pre-releases, sealed events all weekend, some two-headed giants, all that sort of stuff. We thought we'd have a look at the Eldraine limited archetypes, as we tend to do when new sets are coming out. 
And what we found over the, the years is that almost every single set has signpost uncommons in the form of their color pairs. So the, the 10 color pairs, your black, whites, red, greens, blue, blacks, all that sort of stuff, they're generally a card that's going to push you into or give you a, a, a guide for what that those color pairs should be in limited. And they're, they're really good for that. So we'll, we'll have a bit of a look at those. We'll go through each each of the 10 and, um, yeah, sort of see what we think of each different archetype in this set. You know, you, you tend to get your your regular archetypes that um, we see all the time, but every now and then they come up with a good new one. So hopefully there's something good this time. This time, which isn't always the case, this time the... Um, they're 10 uh, legendary creatures, just, yeah. you know, wizards. And, the, and they're all based commander. on, uh, <laughs> yeah, they can be a commander, but they're all based on particular, like, well-known fairy tales as well. Mm. So I guess we'll, we'll have a little bit of a mini game, a sub game to uh, see the story. what they are. Yeah, I mean, some of them are pretty obvious, but uh, oh. it's it's pretty fun to do. Well, take us away with the first one, Chewie. We're going to start with white and black. Yeah, so uh, that has a a theme of uh, auras, and by using the 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 roll uh, enchantments, which are, are new to the set, and we explained that in the mechanics uh, segment last week. There's the cursed um, set, uh, the cursed mechanic. So yeah, black white uses that as its kind of uh, main uh, trigger, I guess. Uh, and the signpost uncommon is Neva stalked by nightmares. So she is two white black for a 2-2 legendary creature, human noble. She has menace. Uh, when Neva stalked by nightmares enters the battlefield, return target creature or enchantment card from your graveyard to your hand. So upgraded grave digger. Uh, she also has when an enchantment you control is put into a graveyard from the battlefield, Put a plus one plus one counter on Neva, then scry one. So it's it's recurring and sacrificing enchantments, getting those enchantments leave and enter the battlefield effects. Plus, often in, when enchantments hit the battlefield, they have an effect. That's why we play them. So yeah, Neva four mana two two grave digger, uh, decent limited role player. You know, it's not a bomb that is going to uh, you know, win the game on its own, but she's going to eventually get bigger uh, as as the game goes on. She does have menace, so you know she's going to add pressure. But she's not a dragon. She's not like a you know five minute six six flyer type power level. But she's going. There's going to be a lot of synergies and and triggers that come up through uh, playing the black white archetype. I think so. It's going to be like death by a thousand cuts type um, scenario. Is how I read. The uh, the black white deck. What do you guys think? Have you uh, seen so any just, black and white auras that you're interested in? Yeah, to clarify, like the so the roll the roll mechanic creates a token enchantment. Yes, which does go to the graveyard when it dies. It does, and yep. that's that's something that like for you know pre-release players like people people that don't play Magic very often, which you do get a lot at pre-release. You get you know that people that literally just come and play the pre-release. Often, you know, you, you just kind of assume, oh, that's a token. It doesn't go to my graveyard, which means it doesn't trigger. Well, that's a rule that actually this. changed not that long ago as well. So, yeah. But okay. um, Neva works really well with... So, there's a, 
another uncommon in white called Dutiful Griffin. It's a five mana four four flyer. Sign me up. That's great. Uh, but it also has two and white sacrifice two enchantments. Uh, return uh, Dutiful Griffin from your graveyard to your hand. So if you've got things like Cursed Courier, uh, which is a three mana three three with lifelink, but it uh, is come when it comes into play, you get a cursed roll enchantment token attached to it. It has base power one one, but you can sacrifice that to return your dutiful griffin and your cursed courier becomes a three three lifelinker again. So that's it's a synergistic archetype. So it's not going to have things that are just hugely raw power, although five mana four four flyers pretty good. Three mana three three lifelink is pretty good. Uh, but it's not going to be it's it's a I guess a more subtle deck in that in that respect. So yeah, I'm looking forward to to playing that. It's going to be one of those decks that either comes together or or, or not at all, though. I think like like any synergistic um, archetype. So, but I, I think it's a uh, a fun thing, and it could it's got the potential to be super powerful uh, as well, depending on uh, you know how the set sort of plays out when we you know get into it, and uh, how open it is at the draft table, or how well you open the packs that you pre-release. And what's what, the fear what are your thoughts on? Oh, so uh, ne- oh yeah, that's right. I, I started that, didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who this is. <laughs> no idea. Neva is Sleeping Beauty. Sure. St- Stalked by nightmares. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. There you go. All right. Next one, Cracker. So what we have here is Ruby Daring Tracker. No surprises. This one's Red Riding Hood. It's literally in the art. She's got a red hood on. Um, she is one and a red for a legendary human creature scout. And it is a one, two with haste. It says whenever Ruby Daring ta- Tracker attacks while you control a creature with power four or greater, Ruby gets plus two, plus two until end of turn. She also has the activated ability of tap, add red or green. I really like this card. Um, the theme for green is monsters. It's power four greater or um, mana value five. Uh, so there's a lot of stuff here that this works really well with it. It curves really nicely into your big creatures. Um, two toughness mana dorks tend to be really strong. They don't die to just individual pings, which is really good. In constructed specifically, it doesn't die to bone masters or Renan six. I don't know if we'll get into that, but um, yeah, if you top deck this later on, then it's, it's a a 3-4 with haste, which is a, a really strong kind of card for, for just two mana. So I think this one seems really good. Yeah, I like this card. The wording on this, is this like a new type of wording for this sort of effect? Like whenever this attacks while you control a creature with power four or greater. If, yeah. Like previously so this would have been is... worded like when this attacks, if you control yep. a creature with power four or greater, it gets plus two, plus two. Yep. two so you can't say trigger on the stack, kill you. Yeah, thing. so this is yep. this doesn't trigger, it just... You, like you attack, you've got a creature of power four or greater, it gets plus two, plus two to end it. Basically, think of it like the ability has split second. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah that's that, that's, my, how, that's my own sort of mental heuristic for it. Yep. Uh, because it's a... Uh, yeah, and I, look, it, it's simplifying the game, making it a bit more direct. Um, fine. You know, like it's a... Uh, you know, you get blown out less. Uh, but for enfranchised players and judges... Uh, it's different, and it may cause a bit of conjecture over the uh, over the journey. But yeah, I wonder uh, if it would mean so. Like, let's say you put it into play, attacking like with um, what was the red white 
like Winota or something. Winota, that's the one I was thinking of. Yeah. So if, like Winota. Oh, she's a human. Play, yep. Okay. Yep. Because you wouldn't get previously with Winota, you wouldn't get like when this creature attacks triggers because it wasn't being declared as an attacker. It was just being put into play, like tapped and attacking. So I wonder if this would still get I think its it triggers pump because it's it's just when it's attacking. Whenever it attacks, it gets the thing. And Winota's right. a That'd four be interesting four. to see. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> there you go. Oh, it synergies, works. Combos. Look out. Yeah, oh, you just broke in almost mod- every format. Yeah, yeah, that, and-, <laughs> and and putting in a uh, you know a, a three four is you know when 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 has got grander plans than that, but but yeah, I it's interesting. It'd be interesting to keep an eye on how often we see that change come up. Yeah, yep. you know that that templating change. Yeah, like this card looks interesting for yeah, like red green, like you said, cracker. It's big monsters and that sort of stuff. So it's if you can play it on turn two, it's ramping you to four straight away so you can play something big. It's got haste, so technically you can play it as a two and play a one drop as well. So, you know, start going wide or whatever. But it's, if you play it, like, you know, if you top deck this later on, it's like, oh, yeah, I've got a one, two with haste that's tapping for mana. I guess, yeah, if you are top decking it later and you've got a board, you know, if you're in a bit of a, you're trying to push through damage or whatever. This is a, yeah, a 3-4 haste. It's just an extra. Yep, cool. All right. Oh, we're going to talk about my favorite creatures. I just <laughs> told you I was scared about. Uh, blue and black. So we have, oh, why can't I even, Demir, man, I'm blanking on the colors, color names. It's been too long. Yep, so we have a, a sink, uh, just a blue and black for a 2-2. Obira, Dreaming Duelist. Uh, it is a 2-2 Fairy Warrior with Flash and Flying. 2-2 Flash Flyer. Sounds good. And has whenever another fairy enters the battlefield under your control, each opponent loses one life. Seems really good with Bitter Blossom. Unfortunately, we don't have... <laughs> well, thankfully, we don't have Bitter Blossom in standard because uh, yeah, that would be quite nice. So, yeah, I believe there is quite a few fairies in this set and then we are obviously going back to... Uh, lawn in uh, in the near future, so we will get a whole bunch more. So I I kind of feel like fairies for standard is going to be a bit of a plant. You know, it's one of those arch- uh, one of those tribes where it's like, yep, we've got a bunch of stuff now. People will try and make it work, and it won't be good enough. And then in three sets time or whatever, when we get to go to lawn, it's like, oh, okay, now we've got good fairies for limited. Uh, do you guys know is there like fairy token creators, or are we just relying on? Uh, there's a couple of incidentals. There's a couple of incidental uh, fairy token creators. Like, okay. there's a five mana sorcery that draws three cards and then creates a one one fairy. Um, and I I remember seeing something. There was a, an adventure that created one, but I think I might have been. Maybe I'm wrong there. I can't see. I'm scrolling at the moment and couldn't find it. But at the end of the day, like a two two flash flyer is pretty sweet. <laughs> and if you if you get to trigger it even twice, like you're yeah you're doing really well. So well, if you play that on turn two and you've got you know a six or seven fairies in your limited deck, like you, it's going to do an extra. You know it's it's going to be a lightning bolt, but it's also attacking for two. You know a lightning bolt spread over the course of a game is going to like do a lot of chip damage. Plus this is going to, this thing should be good for five or six damage if your deck can support it. Uh, for two mana, that that's pretty good. Yeah. I just did a scryfall search. In Wilds of Eldraine, there are 24 fairy 
cards with the fairy creature type. Yeah. Search for a token creator. So there's actually quite a few. And yeah, it's, it seems like the deck is is playing your typical blue-black flash style. You know, bit of removal in your black, the odd counter spell here or there, bit of card draw, and yeah, flash creatures that you can put in at the end of your opponent's turn and uh, just chip away through the air. So looks like quite a fun archetype to, to be playing, to be honest. I know... So, yeah, fairies could be a cool archetype. And, yeah, if you're seeing, you know, if you're drafting and you're seeing a few of these Obira cards floating around in, you know, the third, fourth, fifth pick, that sort of thing, then I'd be snapping them up. And if they're coming through later in the uh, in the draft, then definitely, you know, that archetype is wide open. So grab all the blue and black fairies that you can and a bunch of removal and you're going to be good to go. There is a mythic fairy in blue black as well a two blue black and then there's a rare uh blue black uh, fairy as well so yeah plenty of signposts getting around for that archetype and if you enjoy playing that flash style then you can have a lot of fun with it all right what's next you uh everybody's favorite limited archetype boros uh so <laughs> my favorite <laughs> uh, and uh it we've got ash party crasher uh who is a red white for a 2-2 legendary creature human peasant and has the celebration uh, text. So whenever Ash Party Crusher attacks, if two or more non-land permanents entered the battlefield under your control this turn, put a plus one, plus one counter on Ash. So celebration is, yeah, multiple permanents, well, sorry, non-land permanents uh, at the uh, coming in at the same time. So, yeah, like you can... You can play Ash. You can play Ash, and then play a second spell, and then that that will trigger Ash for that turn. Yeah, absolutely. But you know, I'm not sure how good that is going to be. I'm waiting for a good like blue white. No, sorry, blue red um, limited archetype. Uh, so uh, red white. Red sorry, white. I'll yep. get there in the end. Yeah. So <laughs> so things things that work with it. Uh, and I'll use the the example that I used before, like Cursed Courier, uh, it has it comes into play with the token enchantment on it. So that's two non-land permanents in play. So there there are things like that that sort of incidental incremental things. And there's a Knight of Doves. So it's uh two and a white for a one three. Uh whenever an enchantment comes into play uh, sorry, an enchantment you control is put into a graveyard from the battlefield, create a 1-1 one, one, uh, creature token with flying. So, you know, if if you're doing things, you can get these 1-1s one, and then, you know, it, you might be playing a creature that does that. And, you know, getting a, uh, you know, I feel like you've just got to work quite hard to get an effect and the payoff is a plus one counter. If it didn't have haste, it'd be like stone yeah, just unplayable, I think. Yeah. yeah. But, I'd- yeah. I did a bit of a look through Scryfall, and there is quite a few, like, two, uh, one, two, and three mana cards in red and white that do create either a treasure or a roll or something along those lines. So they are, yeah. there are plenty of cards in those colors that are creatures as well that support, you know, it's like play this on turn two. On turn three, you play a three drop that also makes a treasure, and there's your two permanents. This gets a counter, and yeah, you can sort of snowball from there so yeah there's but definitely I feel support like, for it but it's it's having enough and then if, if is, all the creatures you're is playing it actually are small, good enough like, yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah i mean it's just oh it's a three three it's a four four but you know i don't know it's like you're not 
drawing cards, you're just making a bigger dork. So, you know, it's just, I feel like, I agree, I think it's the weakest of the, the sort of mechanics and archetypes. Yeah. As yep. red-white tends to be, sadly. Yep. Well, yeah, the next archetype is also triggering a little bit off of the rolls, which is the green-white one. You got that one, Cracker? So here we have Sir Armont the Redeemer, and this is three green-white for a human knight, and power and toughness is 4-4. Four, four. And it says, when Sir Armont the Redeemer enters the battlefield, create a monster roll token attached to another creature you control. So a monster roll, just as a reminder, is a plus one, plus one and trample. Uh, and this also says enchanted creatures you control get plus two. So enters, as long as you've got another creature in, it immediately gives it plus two, plus two and trample. So lets you punch through some attacks that you might not have had before. Uh, and on its face, it's just a four, four for five, which is fine. Like it's it's not the most exciting, but I mean, in green and white, you should be pretty easy for you to be able to get uh you know, another creature into play to kind of value off this. And uh, then you can really kind of just go wide. Hopefully you've got a lot of rolls. Green certainly has the support for that. And just being able to kind of put a lot of rolls in your different creatures. And if you can out of nowhere give everything plus one, plus one, and if you've got like a bunch of monster rolls already to give trample, then yeah, seems like it's got some upside. Five mana is a bit. It's the most expensive out of all of these legendaries that we're looking at. So, you know, you, you kind of want the, the value to be there, but- it certainly has the potential. Uh, fine. Like, you play that in limited. Five and a four fours are absolutely fine. And if you've got uh, enchantments, creature enchantments, auras in your deck, then, you know, they're going to get bigger when you cast them and, and things like that. But, yeah, it's a... Uh, hopefully, you've got something in play. Like, you described, like, the absolute flaw of the card. And a five and a four four in limited? Uh, yeah. Five and a four four in limited, I'm playing that every single time. So, uh, I, I don't mind that at all. Uh, and it's, uh, you know, sometimes, you know, there's going to be that rare case where you just whiff. I don't get a monster token. But, you know, other times it's play this, put a monster token on something that is, you know, makes it bigger and it gets bigger again and pumps the rest of your team. So, I can see the ceiling of this just being I just win the game when I cast this. In, in a lot of situations as well. So I will probably first pick this card at some point, rightly or wrongly, because I want to, like, the the upside is, like, I jam this, it's a overrun. So, or, yeah, like, or it's a good role player, you know, it, it's going to trigger my other synergies, and the fail case is I got a 5 and a 4-4. Four, four. Okay. Like, I'm comfortable with all of those things. Fair enough. Yeah, I'll play it. All right, the next one along, I'm pretty sure, is Jack coming down the beanstalk with a golden egg. Certainly what it looks like. Uh, Troyan Gutsy Explorer, one green-blue for a 1-3 Vidalcan Scout. It has tap, add, green-blue. Spend this mana only to cast spells with mana value 5 or greater, or spells with X in their mana costs. Or you can tap a single blue uh, single blue and tap this draw a card then discard a card so loot so blue green unsurprisingly is all about big <laughs> big spells bunch of x spells expensive spells big creatures all that was sort of polywaffle on the design team for this <laughs> set by any chance <laughs> seems, seems it's just the most polywaffle like card it. ever <laughs> uh, yeah which is not surprising for for simic we've seen that Plenty of times, and uh, yeah, I think uh, this this card's doing everything you want. Like it's 
It's a 1-3, so it's a reasonable blocker, I guess. If you've got a big spell in your hand, you know, you play this on turn three, turn four, you play a land, you've got six mana. So turn four, you can play a six drop uh, or, a, you know, a large X spell. If you don't have one of those spells in your hand, well, then you can loot and try and find it. So it's kind of doing everything you want in those decks because... Yeah, that's that's often a problem in those decks is you you either have all the expensive spells and you don't have the ramp to cast them or you have all the ramp and you don't have any of the expensive spells and you're trying to find ways to to find them. I'm I'm tempted to if I've got this in my deck, that 18th land is going to look really really uh tempting to me because it if I've got this, I've got a bunch of expensive spells and X spells in my deck. So if I don't draw it, I want to make sure I hit my land drop so I can cast them. And if I have these, I can just loot away the excess lands if I need to. So I like this, and I, I I need to play with it and get into the depth of the other cards that would go into you know what what this limited archetype would look like. But I think this actually shifts the needle on how I build my deck. I Like, I would look at this and go, am I better off playing this other mediocre thing or another forest? So, yeah, I'm I'm interested to explore this card quite a lot. It's obviously really good, and I, I, the archetype could be really fun because you're just, like, playing, like, goose hydras and, like, all those sort of shenanigans. But it might actually lead to interesting deck construction Um choices as well which is cool that doesn't always you know not many single cards do that so yeah i'm excited by this card yeah pairing this with goose mother would be very nice yeah (laughs) just yeah make a bunch of foods and draw cards and yeah seems good all right what do we got next uh we've got greta uh who is the sweet tooth scourge so uh this card's a bit cute but also pretty powerful so it's a one black green for a 3-3 legendary creature human warrior. When this enters the battlefield, create a food token. Uh, you can pay one green, sacrifice a food, put a plus one counter on target creature, activate only as a sorcery, or you can play one in a black, sacrifice a food, draw a card, and you lose a life. So three mana, 3-3, three, three, that makes a food and then does stuff with food. So obviously you want, you know, all of the food synergies in green and it either makes your things bigger or draws you cards. This thing's a house. Uh, I love it. And like the gummy worm. <laughs> yeah, the art you know, is just awesome. <laughs> just yeah, chopping up yeah. some yeah. <laughs> some cupcakes and there's an apple in the background and just, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty cool. They had a lot of fun with this, with the gingerbread houses and the scary <laughs> yeah. trees in the background. So obviously, you know, Gretel from Hansel and Gretel. Uh, but, yeah, this uh, this is one of the cards I want to open. You know, I, I want to see these in my packs because this this looks powerful. Like, I'm going to have the biggest thing or I'm going to draw cards and have more cards. So, pretty good. Yeah. What do you guys think of this one? Only being able to do the plus plus of counter at sorcery speed is a little bit annoying. Yeah. That's a balance of power, I guess. Yeah. 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 But yeah, if you if you've got other ways to produce some food, and you can just keep, you're either paying two mana to sack your food to gain life if you need to, or you can pay one and a black two mana and sack a food and draw a card. So it turns your food into treasure uh, into clues. Yeah, basically, basically yeah, pretty cool. 
Uh, yeah, Phyrexian Arena clues. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. Sweet. All right. Next. So in blue white, we have Sharae of the Numbing Depths, and it is two blue white for a Merfolk Wizard with two three power and toughness. And it says, when Sharae the Numbing Depths enters the battlefield, tap target creature and opponent controls and put a stun counter on it. Reminder stun counters. If a permanent with a stun counter would be untapped, remove one of the stun counters instead. Uh, and then it also says, whenever you tap one or more untapped creatures at your opponent's control, draw a card. This ability triggers only once each turn. The card is amazing. Seems really, really strong. Comes down, immediately locks down your opponent's best creature for two turns, and you get to draw a card. Sign me up. There's heaps of support in both blue and white at instant speed and at sorcery speed with other creatures. Lots of spells to tap things down. Uh, I really like the take on this this archetype. Normally blue white's flyers, but in this case we've got like a tap sub theme. And if you can get Sharae on on the board and start tapping things down and just drawing your cards back and gaining value, there's a lot that can be done with this one. So this this really excites me. There's a two mana two two. Uh, at common, uh, Frostbridge Guard, I think it's called. Yeah, that's it. Um, and it's, uh, yeah, two and a two, two. Great. Uh, but it's got, uh, two and a blue, uh, sorry, two and a white tap, tap target creature. Right. So it's an expensive, uh, activation, but you're getting the stun counter and a card, uh, if you've got these things in play. And obviously she does it on her way in as well. So Sheree does that by, you know, yeah, taps an opponent on ETB. And then and gets a card. So four mana, two, three, tap your best thing for this turn and next, replace itself. Yes. Like at common, freeze in place. It's a sorcery, one and a blue. Tap target creature and opponent controls, put three stun counters on it, scry two. So like ordinarily that card, you would look at it and you go, eh, like it's a bit of a weak removal spell. But when you're thinking about the critical mass of tapping and this could be an absolutely miserable archetype to play against yeah yep but so much fun to play yeah yeah Yeah, and you can do it it is once per turn but you can do it you can get it on your turn and then you can get it on your opponent's turn so yeah you've got freeze in place which is the sorcery one but then there is also plunge into winter which is one and a white instant uh it's not stun but it's tap up to one target creature scry one or you you then draw a card so it is two mana You get to tap down a creature on your opponent's turn. You get to scry one, and then you're drawing two cards. Seems pretty good. good. Yep. Yeah. Very cool archetype. Very very powerful. So yeah, I think if if you're seeing one of them being passed around, you are pretty excited, and you're jumping straight into a white and blue because that seems like a very very solid archetype. Be definitely keen to uh, to draft that one. Another one that I'm always keen to draft. Uh, this is Johan Apprentice Sorcerer. Uh, this looks very much like Mickey Mouse in the uh, Sorcerer's Apprentice thing. It does. Like, in a room, yeah, there's a bunch of uh, <laughs> water things, like water elementals and fire elementals and things just all over the place around him. So, yeah, definitely giving those vibes. But it is two blue-red for a 2-5, which you don't see that very often from a human wizard. Uh, yeah. Not sure what's going on there, but either way, that's a very good blocker. Uh, it's got you may look at the top card of your library any time, and then once each turn, you may cast an instant or sorcery spell from the top of your library. So each turn, not just on your turn, right? Yes, once each turn, but it's it's only instants and sorceries. Uh, you've still got to pay for them. There's no, you know, you're not getting anything for free, all that sort of stuff. That'd be yeah, if this crazy. nets you one card over the course of the game, it's still card advantage. Yeah, and- I think. 
being, I mean, we know like blue red spells is almost always the archetype for for blue red, and if you're if you've got a signpost like this, you know that there's going to be the spells. I mean, we just spoke about a couple of the the blue, you know, stun spells and those sorts of things. Red's got a bunch of different burn spells. There's a new shock that's not quite shock. It's more like magma spray or whatever. Does a bit of yep. exiling, and you can bargain sacrifice something and deal three damage instead so there's gonna be a bunch of that sort of stuff floating around i think i haven't played blue red spells in draft for a very long time i mean i haven't drafted for ages but what do you need like 15 spells to no not that many like eight eight okay that eight doesn't eight, eight would like be the minimum near enough for me because if you if you're playing 15 how are you actually winning like you don't have creatures yeah, gonna, to no well you got damage you know some creatures on on top of that to finish the yeah. game but but yeah, I, 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 if I had less than eight, I'd feel like I'm in the, the wrong archetype. But, yeah, yeah. you know, like se- 17 land, um, eight spells. So what's that, 25? 25. Yeah, then. That's still 15 creatures. creatures. That's a lot of creatures in a in a spells deck. So, yeah. Yeah, eight, as I said, eight the minimum. Yeah. Eight, eight, to, eight to 12. Like 15, and if, the, if you're just playing one, I guess it depends on what the spells are, right? If you've got. Eight just like put a stun counter on something, or fifteen things that do that. Then like I'm worried about that, right? Yeah, because like you're you're just sort of delaying the inevitable. You're not progressing your own game plan. So yeah, you need to get the balance right. And and deck construction is important. It's like, am I better off playing this like random creature because it attacks and blocks, or am I better off playing a you know a uh, a can well a cantrip would be fine. Sorry, a, a a weak spell for density, and the a lot of the time you're better off playing like the three mana two three Talarian wizard because it's going to cost them a card to to remove it a lot of the time, or it might trade or you know that sort of thing. So whilst it doesn't like do the thing, it's a necessary evil to um, to not lose. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yep. Uh, rules question. Can you cast adventures off the top of your library? I assume you can. It, you are casting an instant or sorcery spell from the top of your library. If I have a mystical tutor, can I find Bone Crusher Giant? No. No, because it's a Cause creature. It's, so it's, it's a yeah. creature. With adventure. So I don't think you can cast an adventure off the top of your library. Yeah, I don't know. We'd have to we'd have to find out. That. That's definitely a judge question that would be okay. worthwhile finding out because... Yeah, like technically you are casting an instant or sorcery from the top of your library. Yeah, but casting but, adventure. but yeah. I, that card on the top of your library, I believe, is a creature whilst it's in your library. That's, yeah, but it doesn't but, stay, you can cast an instant or sorcery card. Like it doesn't say, like the wording on it, if, if it said you may cast an, if you have an instant spell. or sorcery card on the top of your library, you can cast Yeah, but cast it says it. instant or sorcery spell. It's yeah, a it creature you can spell. cast an instant or sorcery spell from the top yeah, of your library. Yeah, but it's a creature spell when it's in your library. Yeah. Don't know. We'll, we'll have to find out. Okay. It's definitely something worth asking because, yeah, I, I think I think it could go either way. We need a judge. Yeah. It's right, anyway, super intuitive. We'll, we'll it's great. We can go around yeah. in circles. We're not going to have the answer because... <laughs> None of us know, yeah. but uh, definitely look it up. If you do find out the answer, let us know in Discord because, uh, yeah, it'd be pretty handy to know. I, I, like, I, I suspect it does because that's this, you know, the whole set is adventures and creatures with instant sorceries tacked on it. Like, it just seems that it would make sense, but yeah, it, it might not. So, double check that. Uh, definitely find out before you go to your pre release. So, if either you or your opponent is doing it wrong, you, you're not getting in trouble. All right, we've got one left red, black. 
Totentans Swarm Piper. One black red for a 2-3 human warlock bard. Whenever this or another non-token creature you control dies, create a 1-1 black rat creature token with this creature can't block. And then it's got one and a black target attacking rat you control gains death touch until end of turn. So the rats, the black rats that can't block is a big theme through this set. There's... um. Yeah, it's heaps of things that make those tokens, so you're going to probably spit out a fair few of those, but it's pretty likely your opponent's just going to kill this creature before you you get too many rats. Uh, it's one of those things where it's like, if you're, you know, if you're attacking and you've got two mana untapped, your opponent's just going to not block your rat, and then you're they're going to take one. <laughs> like, yes, it can, you know, how many times have we all killed someone by attacking with a 1-1? You know, Lanoir Elves and that sort of thing, but because it is only on attacking, it's not the best. Yeah, I think the first paragraph is the the more relevant one on this because uh, you're you're getting hopefully you're getting value by um, sacrificing things and you're so you're getting the payoff of you know whatever the the bargain or whatever it might be. Ah, and, your bargain. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, like, and you're replacing stuff, but yeah, bargain. That's, yeah, um, and yep. you're replacing it with a 1-1 one, one that you can bargain again and and that sort of thing. So it's obviously Pied Piper, uh, but uh, I think this, yeah, it, it's one of those synergistic uh, archetypes again, like you've got to have the right density of uh, sacrifice fodder and uh, sacrifice payoff, you know, sacrifice effects with payoffs as well. So uh, these can be super powerful or they can be, I just didn't draw the right half of my deck and I lost sort of situation. I did a scry full search in red and black for sacrifice and the vast majority of the sacrificing stuff is tokens, <laughs> like creating tokens that can be sacrificed, you know, treasures and food and that sort of stuff. There is not, I can't even find a card that is like a sacrifice engine. So it's, yeah, it seems a bit of a weird archetype. But yeah, I mean, maybe just the value is that you've just got creatures, small creatures, and they die and you're pumping out some rats and yeah. It also does trigger off itself dying. So if, if they do kill it, you do get a 1-1 rat out of it, out of it which is uh, pretty good. Uh, I did also do some looking and yes, with Johan, you can cast Adventures off the top of your library. That is, okay. is confirmed. So Okay, cool. Very cool. All right, so they're the uh, uncommon signposts, the multicolored signposts. What archetypes or what colors are you most keen to be drafting, Chewy? There's a couple. Uh, I won't steal Cracker's Thunder, but uh, I'm I'm interested in the the blue green uh, rampant X spells. But I, I'm gonna I'm gonna answer your question uh, not exactly as you know the, the way you might have thought. But Tima, I I want I want Tima. Because I want four power payoffs, but I want to be ramping into my big giant monsters. So I I could see, particularly in sealed, Tima would be the that that's where I want to go. It's got uh, it's got the red removal, the blue green ramp, uh, and then the your uh, gruel cards are gonna give you they're gonna pay you dividends for your. Uh, your Simic cards coming into play. So, yeah, I like I, that's a good answer. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, I yeah. like you can splash, you know, a couple of blue tap down, you know, stun stun spells or something just to clear the way for your big attackers and yeah. things like that as well. Absolutely. So, yeah, yeah I think answer. it's, 
Yeah, I like it. Yep. I'm looking forward to that. Cracker? I'm actually really excited by this set. Like, it seems like it should be a lot of fun to draft. To the surprise of nobody, the archetypes that appeal to me the most blue-red spells, uh, I think that if you can cast some free spells off the top, well, not free, cast spells off the top of your library and get some value that way, be awesome. The blue-white seems really cool. Like I said, there's a lot of support there, and I think that that one will be the most annoying to play against without question. Uh, and blue-green ramp. I think that, like, the the payoff in that uh, legend there seems really strong. You know, you've got kind of both sides. You get to loot for your spells if you need them, or you get to cast your big fatties. So those ones particularly appeal to me. I think that uh, it should be a really fun set. I'm actually kind of keen to, to play some sealed and draft this one and, you know, sort of see how deep the synergies go. It feels like there's a lot of adventures kind of all through the curve, and that means you just have so much to do on different spots. So it should be really fun. I'm, I'm really looking forward to getting my hands on these cards. Yep. I think blue-white is likely going to be the strongest. Just, yeah, that seems like a really, really cool archetype. But I think I'd, I'd actually be super keen to play the, the fairies, the blue-black fairies. I've, yeah, despite my scars of Lorwyn, I really enjoy the, uh, yeah, the, the playing the, the fairy style. I mean, I've played tons of Bitter Blossom <laughs> since then. Yeah, you, you played Rogues. I remember yeah, you, yeah. you yeah, played Rogues. I, I remember stuff, playing, so, yeah, yeah in like t- 2009. Shorty was playing rogues in standard. He was way ahead of the curve. Uh, yeah, but no, that archetype looks cool, and and there is a lot of yeah flash threats, flash flying mm. threats, and and fairies, and yeah, you just have strong. You know, you have good card draw, but good removal as well. So yeah, it looks pretty cool. All right, so we were going to go through some previews of a few extra cards. Maybe we pick one each that we're keen on because we're starting to go long already. Chewy, you got one off the top you want to yeah, go? Yeah, yeah. A card I was like, I had to read twice uh, and then I thought it was a fake card and uh, then I, I found it on Scryfall and it was confirmed. Um, pretty excited about this card for a few reasons, but Mosswood Dread Knight is a uh, an adventure creature. Uh, the uh, creature side of it, I'll do the adventure side first. So, uh Dread Whispers, uh, it's one and a black for a sorcery, draw a card and you lose a life. Okay, cool. Uh, the creature side of it, one and a green for a 3-2 with Trample, Human Knight. Uh, when this dies, you may cast it from your graveyard as an adventure until the end of your next turn. So you just constantly have a drawing of a card and a 3-2 Trample that can just cycle through, constantly draw your cards. A Jund Sack, Cat Oven in Explorer, anybody. Uh, it just lots of lots of sacrifice synergies uh, and just like a recurring cheap uh, creature for uh, beating control decks uh, and grinding people out. Like it's just if The Rock uh, as an archetype you know, needed a uh, a new pinup boy. It's Mosswood, Mosswood Dread Knight. It's uh, it's it's cool. Uh, I'm I think this will see a fair bit of play in standard. Blocks forever. <laughs> Blocks forever. Uh, it's in Shieldred colors. Uh, yeah, like green, green, black, or green, black X. Uh, might uh, might just crop up as a uh, as a standard deck. So I'm looking forward to exploring that. Yeah. Cracker, you got one? So the card that I want to talk about is Hearth Elemental, and it is five and a red for a creature elemental, uh, and it's a four-five. 
It says this spell costs X less to cast, where X is the number of cards in your graveyard that are instant cards, sorcery cards, and or have an adventure. So kind of like um, Telerian Terror, four mana, it should be, you know, pretty easily a two mana or three mana, you know, hopefully one, four, five. But it also has an adventure side, which says uh, Stoke Genius. Uh, and it says discard your card, it's a sorcery, then draw two cards. So this is amazing. Uh, you know, you just get to kind of dump a bunch of lands or perhaps like a, a removal spell or counter spell, probably not a removal spell, but a counter spell or something that you've got that just isn't going to fit in your curve. And you can, you know, effectively, hopefully pay three mana for this card. So you, you stoke genius, you know, this goes into exile, you, you're on an adventure and then you pay one red and you can cast it from there because you've just kind of fueled it up. So this, this seems really strong to me uh, and I will definitely be jamming it in standard. Uh, and being sad about it, I'm sure, but I, I will definitely try and have some fun. What about you, Shorty? What's uh, what's caught your eye? Uh, charming Scoundrel. So one and a red for a 1-1 one, one haste. It's a human rogue. We've seen some human rogues in that cost one and a red in the past that do quite well hmm. And uh, with haste. So when it enters the battlefield, choose one. We've got three options. We can discard a card, then draw a card. So that's rummage because we're discarding first. You can create a treasure token or you can create a wicked roll token attached to target creature you control. So if you want, you can just make this a 2-2 haste for two. Uh, The wicked roll is it gets plus one, plus one. And when the aura is put into the graveyard, uh, each opponent loses one life. So 2-2 for two haste that pings them for one when it dies seems pretty good. Can't complain about that. Uh, but depending on where you're at in the game, you yeah you may want to rummage and find a better card in your hand, or you may want to create a treasure token. So oh, triggers celebration. Yeah, yep. Yeah, if you need to, <laughs> yeah, you can, can definitely do that. Yep. So yeah, I, I I did have a few other cards on my list that were on, along similar veins. We won't go through them, but uh, yeah, it looks like we're getting a few more cards to support a uh, you know mono red aggressive deck. So love to see it. To be uh, good to see something good back in standard. I still don't like the chances of it beating Shieldred though, so yeah, I'll just burn some wild cards and never play it again. Just don't <laughs> just get like paired against Shieldred, it's fun. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, uh, yeah, the set looks really cool actually. Uh, yeah, I haven't had a, much of a chance to go right through it, but I really enjoyed Eldraine the first time it came around. The power level was crazy high. There was just, there was like 15 cards that got banned out of this set and the set was still the most powerful set in standard. So it looks like Wizards have <laughs> figured out how to not do that, and it doesn't, doesn't seem like there's anything too broken, but no one thought that Oko was broken either, so who knows what we're going to get. But, yeah, I, I really enjoy this the theme of this set and the adventure cards and just everything about it. It's really, really, really cool. So looking forward the to playing this. also incredible. Yeah, yeah. yeah and, yeah, and finding those, oh, this card is, you know, this from such and such fairy tale or whatever is, yeah, it's always pretty cool. So, yeah, looking forward to it. I think I might have to actually draft this set. The last Eldraine set to draft was interesting because it was bot drafts back then and you just drafted the mill, <laughs> just forced the mill archetype. So it was a bit, it was a bit broken, but uh, yeah, I might, might have to give it a go. Looks cool. Good. Everyone right. should play more limited. Yes, good yeah. messaging. Yes. So, uh, yeah, to go along with the new set coming out, we're going to have another league. So you guys have been mentioning this on the last couple of podcasts. Uh, yeah, uh, Eldraine releases on Arena on September the 5th, which 
is Tuesday next week for us, which I don't think they've done that as a release schedule before. We were discussing that earlier. It's a bit bit strange, but it is kind of good because it's after the pre-release weekend, so people have to go out to the stores and, and play. So yeah, we'll be looking to kick off the league around about two weeks after that, so somewhere around the 18th of September, and there'll be a, uh, a registration post going up on the Discord, so you can jump in on that. The structure will be basically the same as the, the previous leagues, seem to, to work quite well, so we'll be doing that. And uh, if you missed it, I did do some commentary on the semis and the finals this week on stream, and then we've posted that up on YouTube as well, so you can jump on there. You probably already know who wins, but... The games were quite good to watch. There was some horrible commentary and me missing a bunch of lines, but there was also a lot of cheese. So you can uh, go and have a look at the snack plate and check out all the different cheese that I bought in uh, in Adelaide. So go and have a look and then sign up for the next league when it comes out. And from what I've been hearing, our mods team are meant to be running a Eldraine sealed event at some point in the near future. So uh, yeah, keep an eye out for that should be pretty cool the last one we did was a lot of fun and, and people really enjoyed it so we'll uh, we'll run that back but uh yeah obviously we need sealed to be available on arena for that to happen well uh yeah if you want to get in on those uh events you need to be in our discord the link for that is always in the show notes so come and join us in there there is a link for our merch store if you want to grab some beans gear before you head to your next event so you can rep us and uh spread the word of the beans Go and check out Josh and Pat's MTG Bazaar. Just go to jpmtgbazaar.com.au and check out all the auctions and win it now lots and claim lots that Pat has going on there and the ridiculous amount of giveaways that he's been doing lately that uh, I missed out on, unfortunately. Uh, But uh, yeah, Pat is always giving back to the community, which is what he's doing in sponsoring us. So go and support him and uh, yeah, buy some stuff to uh, make sure he keeps sponsoring us. Uh, you can go to our website, magicbeanscast.com, where you will find uh, the links for us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitch, and X, I guess. Are we calling it that now? We're still calling it Twitter. Cool. Okay. My my phone forced me. It updated the app on me, and now I have an X on my thing. I was hoping to stay on Twitter, but anyway. If you would like to find me on that platform, I am at PSync. Chewy, you are? At Chewy MTG. And Cracker? At Joel Hill underscore. Very good. So that is it for this week. Thank you, as always, for listening. Stay safe out there, and we will see you all next time. Bye.